Emilio Gil, who's a graphic designer. In 1980, he founded Tao Designio, one of Spain's pioneering companies in the world of design, institutional communications, and the creation and development of corporate visual identity programs. He studied at the School of Visual Arts in New York under Milton Glaser and Ed Bengiat. In 1995, he was given the Golden Laos Award for Editorial Design and a Certificate of Excellence by the New York Type Directors Club. He teaches at the University of Salamanca, Carlos III, University and the European University of Madrid. He is advisor to the Board of Directors of the Spanish Association of Design Professionals on the Spanish Design Museum Project, Ministry of Culture's National Museum of Decorative Arts. He curated the exhibition's Signs of a Century, 100 Years of Graphic Design in Spain in 2000, which was inaugurated at the Riena Sofia Art Center in Madrid, and The Best of Two Worlds, another exhibition in 2000, and six. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Glad to hear with you. You have written a book titled Pioneers of Spanish Graphic Design, published in English by MBP New York in 2007. Yes. And in it, you deal, among other things, with book design, mm -hmm. and that's what we're interested in. So I wonder if you could talk to me to start with about the, how modern Spanish book design got started. I think the, the Spanish graphic design as a new profession here in Spain started the end of the Spanish Civil War in 1939 because the printers, the publishers, start to boast again in, here in Spain. For instance, in those years, Ricard Giral Miracle was printer and designer. He produced his own books. I think it's, it's important this subtle uh, difference uh, between the, the other graphic designer because the other graphic designer only design, not print our, yes. our works. In Canada, there are three different companies whose owners are designers and publishers. Coach House Press, Porcupine's Quill, and Gasparo Press. So they know exactly what you can and cannot do on paper. Yeah. What, what was new about what he did? The difference is when you print your own design, you can exercise or put on it a level of risk. You are right uh, in front of the machine, mm -hmm. and you can um, control the, the results. So you can uh, experiment or exercise with different things. One designer today, uh, in front of the, his computer, design and can imagine the final result, because you can see your screen, the, the final result. But in those times, those years, it's impossible to imagine the final result because there are a lot of different steps between the idea and the result. I think this, this is a very important difference between the way of work of Iran uh, and the rest of the colleagues of his generation. What did his work look like and how is it different from what came before? This kind of images with different colors, putting one in different uh, layers, layers. Yeah. yeah, on top of the other. Yeah. And the cross of these different levels of color 
has a different result, much richer, I think. So it gives it a depth. I guess putting colors together, you get new colors as well. Yeah, yeah. And then the shape of the, the final result is different because if you put one thing uh, over the other, the, the result of the two different things is quite different. If you put not only two, if you put four, five, six different colors, the, the, the result is I think it's richer. And so he did that before others really experimented with that. One thing that's important to notice about the work of this generation of Spanish designers is all of them work with important people of the Spanish culture, writers, photographers, poets. It's different than today because the Spanish graphic designers from books today work with the publisher, not with the author. Were you suggesting then that all of this artistic group would get together and eat and drink and converse? And no, there is a, a Spanish Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize called Camilo José Cela. Camilo José Cela worked with Plana Arbona directly. They worked each other together. One of them talked about the ideas that he had for the, the narrative, and others would talk how about to, how to represent that. How to, to translate to the cover. You're right. Nowadays, it's a surprise to the author sometimes to see what the cover looks like. Yeah. Sometimes they don't like it. <laughs> I, I prefer to work directly with, with the, the author of the book because you receive directly the ideas of the the intention or the aim of the, of the author. If you, you work with a publisher, maybe the publisher only wants to sell more. Yeah, that's part of it, always. Yeah. One of the things that characterized was his joint talents of, of actually uh, printing and designing. Mm -hmm. Did he like line drawings or illustrations or how the books look? He works with illustration, not, not with photographs. He preferred to work with organic shapes and all ancient engravers, this kind of material. Organic so with trees. trees, leaves, and things like that. He works not with photographers, he works with uh, illustrators, and he illustrates his own covers. For instance, this is the, the catalog of the types he has in his print shop called Philograph in Spanish. And I think it, it looks like the displays on the phone shops right now. It looks like the screen you can see nowadays in your, in your screen when you try to find a new typography that match with your idea. It looks like made today or designed today. No. This was after the this, Civil War. This story starts... 1939. After Franco comes to power. Yeah. The political regime doesn't seem to have affected his freedom of design or expression. I think not, not so much. Maybe in, in the contents, not in the... Uh, the presentation. Okay. Maybe uh, about sex images only. <laughs> his publishing company... Philograph. If we want to find his books... That's what's on the title page, Philograph. <laughs> and 40s and 50s, how, are, these easy, are these books easy to find? Maybe in second-hand bookshops. And uh, as you uh, said, <laughs> it's uh, surprisingly ch uh, cheap 
five, ten, fifteen euros. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I think so. This collection of books called Novelas y Cuentos, okay. signed by Manolo Prieto. Now we're moving into the 1950s, yeah. right? And what was the name of the publishing firm for those? Novelas y Cuentos. Novels and Tales. And they were published in Madrid? Yeah, yeah. They almost look like magazine. They're paperbacks yeah. and they're stapled. Yeah. They're sort of short novellas, that yeah. kind of length. Yeah. It was years that we hadn't level of uh, economy to enough to produce uh, books uh, that are beautiful and yeah. expensive because what people just couldn't yeah. afford more, to buy more, them. More expensive. Yeah. Right. Just catering to the public who could only afford a certain type of book. Manuel Brito worked in this collection from about uh, 12 or 13 years and he designed one cover each week. Wow. Yes. His wife told me many years ago that when he was uh, working in other assignments, she read the content of the next novel in order to uh, Manolo Prieto was thinking about the, the next the <laughs> next cover. Oh, so she did the reading for him. The woman behind the man, that's great. I just noticed that there was a celebration of the 100th anniversary of his birth this year, 2012. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I, I find so fascinating about his covers, they remind me of an American designer. His name is Alvin Lustig. I think the work of Manuel Brito in this collection of books is interesting because... Uh, he started to, to produce or to design images with a high level of details. Then he evolves to work with a few, very few elements. Geometric, only three colors. And one thing <laughs> I like very much in this collection is this romantic <laughs> solution for the, for the bend. It's a, there's a little strip along the front cover that makes it look like it's a bound book. Yeah when really it's just diagonal black, thin diagonal black lines. He tried to, to appear as a most expensive kind of book. Yes, very clever. Striking images. They're often playful. I'm looking at one. There's a line that represents his leg, but then outside of the main design, there's another line that gives it a, a kind of a, a more solid yeah. foot. It's just very, very cleverly done. I think the way he, he tried to represent one man that is not important, but he put this this man in a frame. It's the contrary. An ordinary man who's who's in an expensive-looking frame, which references the title. Hmm. And I guess he always did that. I try to explain it. I think this kind of books are the following of this kind of works in the 18th century in, in England, novels that appear week after week. Pamphlets. Yeah. Yeah, that came out as a series. The next step for me is the 60s. And there are two important graphic designers working, one of them in Catalonia, in Barcelona, the other one in Madrid. The Catalonian graphic designer was Jordi Fornas, and the Madridian graphic designer was Daniel Hill. There are parallel lines, <laughs> because 
Both of them work in records and after them as book designers. Jordi Fornas work for Edixa. Recording the music? Yeah. Design the covers of the records, the vinyl records. Which are very collectible now. Yeah. Yes. And Daniel Hill started to work in Ispaworks recording company in the same years in different parts of Spain. <laughs> Completely parallel lives. <laughs> Putting visuals to music to appeal to people, to attract their attention, to bring attention to the music. The main or the most important collection of books that Jordi Fornas designed in the 60s was a collection called uh, La Cua de Palla. Cua de Palla means the tale of a straw. The tale of straw? Yeah, man of straw. You, you build them up and then you blow them over. It refers to a popular Catalanian song that tells the if you play with fire, you can burn your stove for uh, your tale of straw. It's funny because this is a collection of black novel, crime, TV, TV uh, James, and so. But the tale of straw is the name of, of the, the series. Of the series, yeah. And what was the name of the publishing house? Editions 62 in in Catalan. 62. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because it, it, it starts in, the, in 1962. I see, okay. How long did he work on those for? Eight years, more or less. Okay. And the influence of British design in Spain was very strong. I look at that, immediately I think of Ian Fleming and James Bond. Yeah. It, it reminds me the works of uh, Alan Fletcher, Robert Brown Young, and designers like this working in, in, in London for years. Yeah. This is the Spanish swinging 60s. Carnaby Street in Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carnaby Street in Madrid. Okay. In fact, there is a, the, the equivalent to Carnaby Street in Barcelona was to set a street in the center of Barcelona. So, uh, and the equivalent in, in Madrid, uh, as I, I told you, is, was uh, Daniel Hill. Yes. Daniel Hill worked for um, Alianza Editorial. He started to work in Ispavox, designing jackets or uh, cover of records, and then immigrated <laughs> to the publisher film. 1968, there were protests in, in Paris. Yeah. So the equivalent here in Spain, the, the books that this generation bought are books from Alianza Editorial with Daniel Hill's covers. Was the content a protest as well? Or yeah. So that For instance, Alianza Editorial released books from Marcus, this important philosopher mm -hmm. of the 60s. Not only books against the power, against Franco. One thing important about Daniel Hill was uh, he was a privileged designer. He has a lot of power inside the, uh, the editorial, the, the Alianza Editorial. The, the owner gave Daniel Hill a lot of freedom to work. He respected uh, him. Yeah. The, the way to work of Daniel Hill was that there, there is a, a French artist that start a movement working with objects or found objects. Yeah, this French artist influenced uh, the Daniel Hill's way to work, way to design. 
Okay, now I'm going right. to now I'm going to ask you how. <laughs> and explain that found object. I mean, found objects could just be whatever you come across on the streets and you include it in your your work of art. Yeah. And you combine different things, right? That may not be related. Yes, and it's more uh, can. Yeah. Bur- a burnt, it looks like it's a burnt baked bean can or something. Maybe he found in, in the street. I see, uh, okay. Uh, he used it. There's an old alarm clock. He works with different um, resources. A human head as an engraver, one as a, uh, a sculpture, the different colors of the print, with photographs. He gets a theme and then he, he, he treats it in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. A photograph of a of a psychedelic kind of face, a uh, face that's got a lot of rope wound around it. Things covered with paper, blackboards or papers. and With cuts in them, yeah. yeah. The cover looks like it's been sliced in half. Two things about the work of Daniel Hill, I think, are very, very interesting. One of them is there's no one expression or one way to put the name of the editorial. There's no logos. In, diff- in each cover, he creates the name of the editorial, the publisher, with different typographies, in different places. On the front cover. In the front cover, completely different. There's no set logo yes. design, design rules. Yeah. There's okay. no corporate identity. Yes, okay. Treatment as a corporate identity on covers. Whatever suits his design the best is how he'll present the name of the uh, publishing company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of them with the same typography that they, the title of the book, oh, right. uh, the author. This is completely strange nowadays. Mm-hmm. All, of the, all of the editorials put his logo, its logo in the cover in the same place, with the same, same design, the same size. It's basically because they want to keep repeating that message so that it gets through to the consumer, whereas he doesn't care about that. Yeah. He cares about the aesthetics. Yeah. Maybe nowadays none of these books can accept by the editorial. The sellers don't want this kind of covers. And I think this is maybe the highest point or the highest level in a Spanish book design. Because nowadays the booksellers are able to demand and have input into the way the covers look. Yeah. Because they want to sell them. Yeah. So back then there was a freedom that you, you just don't see today. He changed the same cover, the same title, or the, and in, in different times. Different editions. Be, because if he is not found about his uh, design, he changed in the, in the next edition. Okay. <laughs> what years are we looking at here? Uh, Ni- all 1960s? The late six, 60s and the 70s. Okay. The whole 70s. Uh, well, yeah. um, most of these books are part of our lives, of our sentimental education. This is how, this is how Spanish people see that book, because this, it's so popular, you say? Yeah. And you can find these books on second-hand shops very cheap as well. <laughs> How many did he design altogether? Any idea? Uh, more than 1,000. Okay. Hmm. Is there a special series of his work that you think is particularly great? All of them. All of this is perfect. 
So he's really had an impact on the, the way that Spaniards see, see literature and the, and the rest of the world. Uh, I like uh, this kind of works of uh, Daniel Hill, this handmade, handmade, not with a computer. I prefer this. And why do you like that so much? I think it's, it's not possible to, to transmit the effect of the hand with the computer. It's almost, <laughs> it seems like, but it's different. Uh, Spanish young designers are returning to, to this kind of work. And I think because you, you feel that your, uh, the result is yours. There's no uh, one thing between your, your idea and the result, the computer. The computer is in between, and I think uh, it, it affects the result. In closing, you've covered who you think are the most important designers. Uh, here in Spain? Yeah. I think in, in Spain, in the late 80s, the field of uh, book design changed completely. There, I think nowadays there are a lot of uh, Spanish graphic designers working on books um, very well. For instance, um, uh, Paulo Martín in Barcelona, Joaquín Gallego in Madrid, Pep Carrillo in Madrid, Isidro Ferrer in Aragón. These designers have so much to look back on and to get ideas from, Yes, uh, would you say? I think they like the work of, of them for two reasons. One of them is for the, the, in the history of humankind, <laughs> always uh, uh, one generation reacts against the, the, the previous. The, the previous yes. And the other one was the thing we are talking about, how they like the, the work that is possible to make your own, own hands. They are very uh, surprising that in those years they could be so modern. I've been thinking about that with Fervente. He came up with some really interesting techniques <laughs> talking about his own book within the second part of uh, Don Quixote, mm -hmm. playing around with the characters and the narrator. And, and so, in many cases, lots of what may be considered new today has actually been done in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's just a question of finding, uh, exploring, and then what putting the modern element yeah. with it, I guess. Uh, last week, I was... Uh, Glazing a book about the work of Sol Bass. He's, he influenced uh, Frank Neufeld. Really? The, the, he was an important influence because of the introduction to the, to the movies. Yeah, because his titles. Movie yeah. posters and... Yeah, yes. movie posters and press books of films. That, but you see the graphic design Sol Bass work, you can find a lot of strong ideas. And I think when you, when you don't work with computer, you must put strong ideas because the computer is a, is a useful help to work, but the computer don't put the ideas. Sol Bass, uh, Paul Rand, Milton Glaser, this generation has very, very, very strong ideas.
And I think this uh, generation of Hispanic graphic designers has strong ideas as well. That seems like a very good place for us to end it. So thank you for giving us an overview of the evolution of Spanish book design. I should mention, Emilio Gill, that you are the designer of a, of a very famous award-winning book. Yes, it's a pleasure for me to, to be here <laughs> with you and to, to talk about one of my passion, this generation of Hispanic graphic designers. I think it's a part of my work nowadays to research those years of uh, Spanish life, not, not only graphic life. <laughs> my interest in those years starts with a, an assignment of a Spanish wine company called Osborne. Osborne. Osborne has one of the most important pieces of uh, graphic design in Spain. Very big bull, very big black bull on the roads. Yeah. A billboard for their cognac, is it? For a brandy. A brandy called Veterano. This is, a, again, a Manolo's Prieto design. The commission was one book about the history of this big black bull. <laughs> because in the cultural field in Spain, there are a lot of photographers, writers, poets, designers, illustrators, painters that admire this icon. One design made for a brandy today is almost the image of Spain. <laughs> you explored what? The evolution, the, the history, the, the idea of the designer, how this bull appeared in a lot of different media in all over the world. For instance, it was cover of the New York Times magazine. And the book is called Un Toro Negro y Enorme. Yeah. Um, bull, black and enormous. This title is from a poem of a very famous Spanish poet called José Bergamín. I think it's funny, one important poet of Spain write a poem for this black bull. Un, un toro negro y enorme, poderoso toro osborne. <laughs> the book is the ideal assignment for a Spanish graphic designer. There are a lot of collaboration from different uh, artists in different fields. Mm -hmm. uh, writers, photographers, designers. There is a chapter called Ten Graphic Designers and, and the Book and, and the Bull. And I asked uh, uh, ten different uh, colleagues that made a double page uh, with the personal interpretation of the, of the shape of the, of the bull. In the other page, uh, one write about uh, his feelings about the, the, the manuscript design. For instance, Isidro Ferrer write of uh, his young daughter, daughter when the family are in the, in, inside the car uh, crossing Spain. <laughs> <laughs> and this book won almost every award going in 1994? Yes. yes. The Don Award, it won a... a TVC of New York. Laos in Spain, 
Wow. Prices all over the world. You belong with these uh, other designers then. <laughs> so I started my research of Spanish graphic designer here. Because of this. Yes, because of them. Of, of this. <laughs> well, thank you for all the work that you've done, not just for Spain, but for anyone who loves book design. This book and the latest, your latest, well, it, it came out five years ago, Pioneers of Spanish Graphic Design. It's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful book full of terrific covers and, and designs and can be used by the book lover as a, as a resource, identifying kinds of books that they might want to go and, uh, and collect. Thank so you. thanks again. Thank you very much. Uh, one, one thing only. I was working right now in the second part of this book because in this book only appear 15 Spanish graphic designers. And I, I tried to put work of another 15 graphic designers. Okay, so that would be the same time frame? Yes, from 1936 until 1975, the year that Franco died. We'll look forward to that. When do you hope to have that ready for? Maybe in three years. <laughs> okay, so it's a few years. It took me five years. Yes. Thanks again. Thank you.